All right. All right. Take your seats, everyone. In this episode, we're talking about quitting for the right reasons. So take your seats, everyone. All right. Thanks. You are listening to the Change Academy podcast, a show about both the art and the science of behavior change. My name is Brock Armstrong, and you will soon hear from my co-host, Monica Reinagel, because this episode is a reissue episode of episode number 13 from way back in 2020. And the reason that we're reissuing this lucky episode number 13 is actually because I got an email from an athlete that I'm working with who has been catching up on the old episodes, digging into the back catalog, and she wrote to Monica and I to say that it really struck a nerve for her. And this is what she said. I'm letting you know because it's super helpful for me. Your delivery of the message is firm but kind. So we took that energy and we decided to run with it. So here we go with episode number 13, all about quitting for the right reasons. Take it away past Brock and Monica. In this episode, we are going to be talking about quitting. Now, I think all of us have probably had some experience quitting stuff in our lives. Maybe you've quit a job. Maybe you've quit school. Maybe you've quit a relationship. And sometimes, you know, quitting is exactly the right thing to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But sometimes quitting can become sort of a habit that we fall into. We get into the habit of quitting. And sometimes that doesn't serve us as well. In fact, sometimes quitting can even become part of our identity. I mean, Brock, how many times have people that we work with uh, in our coaching programs said, oh yeah, I always start out really strong, but then it always fizzles out and I always end up giving up. (laughs) I used to have a macro on my computer to respond to my coaching clients that would write to me and say, you know what? I quit. I'm not going to do this race. It happened so often that I actually had like a keyboard stroke to populate an email to start with. Don't tell my clients that. But but yes, it is a very common thing when we're when we're pushing ourselves and when we're stretching ourselves to, well, misinterpret the discomfort that's needed sometimes as a reason to quit. That's right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before we dive into the main topic for today, we often like to talk about some of the things that we're working on or some of the things that our listeners and readers and stuff are working on. But today, Monica, I think you've got something for us. Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. And Brock, you know this about me. I'm a planner. And uh, and you also Shocking. know that... <laughs> I'm shocked. You know, and you also know that when I plan, I tend to drift towards complexity, when I start to plan things, things get elaborate. And, you know, Brock and I'll have a, a, a two-sentence text exchange in the morning, and the next thing he knows, there's a spreadsheet and an Asana task board and a timeline and a Google calendar. And Yeah, and I'm like, that was just a passing thought. Oh, no, <laughs> I've caused hours of work just because I had a, a whim. Well, you know, I, it, there's a way in which I think this is one of my superpowers, but as with so many of our superpowers, sometimes it also becomes uh, something for me to trip over. Because as things get more complex and more elaborate and more ambitious, sometimes they start to feel kind of overwhelming and I can kind of overwhelm myself. And so one of the things that I'm working on right now is that skill of being able to zoom in and just focus on taking the next step. Hmm. I think that that planning part is important. I think it's, it's fun and useful to see a big picture or, you know, think past the next step. But sometimes when it comes time to taking action, it really is just about blocking all of that out and just 
taking the next step. So this week I'm just working on staying focused on what is my next step? What do I need to do next? I like that. That's actually a good lesson for me. I'm kind of the opposite when one of those ideas presents itself or like you message me something or a friend or something pops into my head. My default setting is to just let it be in the back of my head and let it just rattle around until it annoys me enough that I either take action or kick it out of there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that either of our extremes are really the the perfect place, but there's a balance definitely in there somewhere of, yeah, taking that next step, but only one, That's only right. one step. It's a good antidote to feeling overwhelmed by something that's suddenly gotten to be kind of big or, or to start to feel big. Um, there's just that it can be very relaxing and very centering to just be, you know what, all I have to do is take the next step. It's a good antidote to uh, to often not getting anything done because I'm just letting it sit in the back of my head. I'm a little too zen. So that's a good one for me to work on too. I'm going to put that, let it rattle around in the back of my head. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, just check our Asana board. There's already a board for it. All right. So let's get into our main topic today, which is quitting. Yeah. I did a podcast episode for my Workplace Hero um, show a couple of years ago about quitting your job. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun to research all of the things that uh, that sort of pertain to reasons why you should quit your job or reasons to sort of persevere through your job. But it's a totally different world that we're talking about here when we're talking about actions, behaviors, and habits, and things like that. Although a lot of those same criteria probably do apply in a, some way or another. Well, yeah, I think that there are times, even when we're just talking about a behavior change that we have been working on, sometimes quitting is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when you've been working towards a specific goal or objective, and there comes a point where you've collected enough information, you've taken enough action to realize that there's really no further benefit to continuing on that path. Or in some cases that, you know, continuing to pursue that in the same way might even do harm. Mm -hmm. And when, when that becomes clear, then not quitting just for the sake of not quitting isn't, you know, is not the right thing to do. So, so there are definitely times when quitting is exactly the right thing to do. And some of you who listen to our episode about failure might be starting to feel like there's a little bit of a, an overlap here and there definitely is, but what we're talking about today isn't necessarily taking that failure and, and rejigging it or rethinking it the way that we were talking about in our previous podcast episode today is really about those times when you're just like, you know, screw it. I'm totally done. I'm not going to rethink this or retool my my idea. This is just complete abandon, abandonment of your shopping cart, <laughs> running out <laughs> yeah. of the store screaming. <laughs> but I think many of us have also quit for the wrong reasons mm. in some time in our past. Um, and we'll talk about some of those. And And the really tricky thing about this is that it can start to become sort of a habit when we get into the habit mm-hmm. of bailing out on something when we hit some kind of resistance or or one of these kind of predictable things um, that that we quit. And every time we do that, we make it just a little bit easier for us to do it the next time. And from a fitness standpoint, I've seen this with my with my marathon racers and my triathletes. You have some people who are so dedicated to the the craft that they will cross the finish line, whether they have to drag themselves with their arms, pulling themselves bloody across the finish line. And then the first time that they 
actually drop out of a race, they're like, oh, well, this isn't the end of the world. But then that becomes an option. Mm -hmm. It presents itself as an option from then on in their brains that it's like, well, I did quit that other time and it really wasn't a big deal. And as much as that is true, quitting stuff isn't necessarily always a big deal and you're not going to lose all your friends or lose your house or your family or anything. Every time you do it, like you said, it becomes a little bit easier and that option becomes just a little more available to you. And that's that's definitely not where we want to end up. Well, yeah, you had a great blog post um, a couple of weeks ago, Brock, about this idea of making not quitting a new habit. Like just anything that we do over and over again that we practice starts to become habitual. And so uh, in the same way that we don't want to make quitting a habit, we could actually decide to make not quitting a new habit that we're practicing. And, mm -hmm. you know, how do we create a new habit? By repeating it, by doing it a few times until it starts to feel more comfortable. But before we get into into that, I guess, why don't we sort of backtrack a little bit and look at the reasons why we sometimes quit? Like why what are some of the most common reasons why we why we pull the plug or bail on our our goals or our dreams or whatever it happens to be in? And we've got a few written down here, and I'm going to start with number 1, which is that we're not seeing the benefits. That is definitely something I hear a lot from the people in our way less community. It's something I've heard a lot from the people that I coach in the fitness world. It's something that you hear a lot from, from people who are making financial decisions that we don't necessarily see things right off the bat. And in those things that like finance, like weight loss, like fitness, that do take quite a while to really start to, to accumulate that <laughs> compound interest, I guess. Mm -hmm. It can be difficult to know whether or not you should pull the plug because, well, you're looking in the mirror and your clothes aren't fitting that different yet, or you're looking in your bank account and it's like, well, I only saved 20 bucks, so that's not, that's not significant. Is this really something that I want to keep going on? But the problem with that is, is being able to keep it in perspective because each one of these endeavors basically has its own timeline and we have to keep that in perspective. They have written articles about fitness and like for muscle growth alone, you can't expect to see any sort of change in less than four to six weeks for most people in terms of, of muscle growth. Now that's a long time to go if you want to get fit right now. <laughs> so it's really couching that experience or just making sure that you're putting it into perspective before you get going so you don't reach that frustration and pull the plug too soon. You may be right on that three and a half week mark on your muscle gain protocol when you pull the plug. And if you just hung in there for two more weeks, then you would have seen that that benefit. And then, of course, that becomes a self-gratifying, self-fulfilling sort of a server routine then. So, so yeah, I think a lot of people quit because they're just not seeing the benefits in the timeline that they had sort of expected. Their, their expectations were not being met. So it's really a matter of expectations, I guess, at that point. Yeah, and I think that also this can be one of the hazards of having a goal but not a larger objective that that ties mm. into. And we've talked about that in the past so that you're not taking this action solely to achieve a certain result, but because it is aligned with an identity that you're trying to create for yourself. And that can also help sustain you and propel you 
through that time when you have to keep taking action, keep taking action, and the the results uh, or the compound interest has not yet hit your bank account, mm-hmm. um, it can help propel you through that. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. Having realistic expectations going in about like how quickly should I expect to see some sort of, of benefits or maybe even deciding which benefits you're going to be watching for mm-hmm. and being open to benefits uh, other than maybe the the ones that might take longer to accumulate. So for example, would you be open to noticing that you know you're sleeping better or if it's the money saving one maybe you're you're happy that you're not spending as much giving as much money to starbucks let's say yeah just feeling a little bit less anxiety about a behavior that uh, that is not out of control or feeling more in control of your choices so there would maybe also be some ways to to look for benefits in ways that would be more available sooner okay so what's the next reason that we uh, tend to quit I think a lot of us will quit a new thing out of fatigue Mm. when, you know, it just, it becomes hard to keep doing something new or we get to a point where we're feeling just sort of the, the resistance to, to continue. The novelty has worn off. Yes. And, uh, and we get fatigued with the effort. And I experience this very literally in when I'm doing strength training and, you know, maybe uh, I've decided I'm going to do 10 repetitions of a certain exercise and I'm using amount of weight that's really challenging for me. And I get to, you know, maybe repetition number eight and my muscles are really getting tired and I, my brain will, will start saying things like, well, eight's pretty close to 10. <laughs> that's probably close enough, you know, could probably quit right here. And the two things that keep me going when, when I get to that point, that kind of self-talk One is I tell myself, I really don't want to get in the habit of quitting, especially right before I get to the goal. (laughs) Like that's, that's a a behavior that I don't want to reinforce. And so sometimes I'll say like, no, don't be that person who, you know, gets almost to the end and then decides it's not worth taking that final step. And the other thing that kind of propels me through that fatigue uh, and that desire to quit on repetition eight is the thought that it's the repetition that we do after our muscles are tired. Now, obviously not to the point where our form is going to fall apart and we're in danger of hurting ourselves, but just when it's going to take, we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper and push into that fatigue to actually complete those last two reps, that those are the two reps that are actually I like to think the only ones that are actually doing anything for us. Yeah. <laughs> and so those are the those are the last ones that I want to quit on because those that's where the actual growth is happening. And I think that that might be a metaphor for other sorts of endeavors as well. It may not be a muscle getting tired, but sometimes it's our ability to push through our resistance and push through our our fatigue with something that that's where the actual growth is happening. You know, I didn't realize you were going to go there with this topic, but there's actually a theory called the central governor theory. And that theory states that when you get two thirds of the way through a, a particularly hard endeavor, your your body actually kicks in or your mind, not, not your body, your mind actually kicks in and says, this is too hard. You're going to hurt yourself. You're getting too tired. You're going to run out of fuel. You're going to overheat. All those things start to to crop up and it starts to either slow you down. And it's probably a self-preservation method, like going back in our biology for hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of years to actually protect us. But at this point, it's actually a, a bit of a, a hindrance 
to to making further progress. But there is a theory called the central governor theory. If anybody wants to look it up, it's a fascinating thing. And and your your metaphor is absolutely correct. Like not only are those last two reps of doing a bicep curl the ones that really get to those deep muscle fibers and cause those little tears that then create a stronger muscle, but the last two times that you push yourself to do a behavior or reenact a habit, get into those deep little neurons that are going to create the connections that then make it easier and sort of push you to the point where instead of taking eight times of doing something to start to fail, it's 10 times next time, and then it's 12, and then it's 14 before you feel that feeling. So that's a uh that's really cool. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, I find that very motivating. You know, it kind of gives me a little burst of energy to think like, yep, this is the hardest one, but it's also the one that counts the most. But, you know, there's another uh, side of fatigue that I think sometimes can cause us to quit. And that is the anticipation of future fatigue. Another thing that I'll notice is sometimes if I'm in the middle of one of my big, complicated, elaborate endeavors <laughs> is I will start to feel fatigued, not so much because the next step, the one I'm supposed to be focusing on is so hard for me to take, but um, but kind of thinking ahead to all the other steps that have to take after that. And that I'll start to feel kind of an anticipation of the fatigue of those, those future things. And it's... Um, one of the reasons that I have that strategy of just kind of focusing on the next step is so that 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 doesn't because obviously, you know, quitting over something that we ha- that it, we have not yet experienced doesn't make sense. So I think it's it's worth um, noticing if your fatigue is actually the anticipation of future fatigue, and if it is, it's worth saying like, well, okay, if it really gets that t- if I get that tired, I'll quit. But I'm not that quite that tired yet. So let me just take the next step. That's nice how that ties in so well with your experiment for this week. <laughs> I like it. All right. So the next reason that we quit is, well, perfectionism. That old yeah. nemesis in some ways, also an advantage in other ways. But I think the way that we generally think of perfectionism is definitely more negative than than positive and and that's what we're sort of looking at today is the perfectionism that that pops into our heads that just says you know I'm not doing this the way that I envisioned this isn't going the way that it's that I wanted it to I'm not feeling as good I'm not acting as differently I'm not seeing again seeing the results in the mirror all of those things that just aren't quite the way that we had pictured them and so that makes us behave in the all or nothing kind of behavior that you hear us talk about a lot on this podcast, where instead of just continuing on and being okay with whatever is actually happening, we just give up altogether because, well, I'm not getting 100% of the things that I had hoped for or anticipated, so I'm so I'm giving up on the whole thing altogether. Yeah, or just because... I haven't done it perfectly. Sometimes when people have um, a lapse or a setback, you know, or they don't, they fail to do it for one day or something like that, they kind of feel like the whole project is ruined and they might as well give up that kind of perfectionism too, I think leads to a lot of premature quitting um, just because it's not, it's no longer perfect. We no longer have that perfect record or that mm-hmm. unblemished uh, track record. And that kind of perfectionism is where a lot of hopes and dreams and goals go to die. Mm-hmm. But that that stops now, right? <laughs> we have to be able to use those setbacks or those mistakes or those times when we blew it 
not as an excuse to quit, but as fuel. You know, that's what we were talking about, which you were alluding to earlier in our episode on failure and why failure is awesome. Because when we fail, when we blow it, when we mess up, it's a golden opportunity to to learn what we might want to do differently. So really have to ask ourselves, okay, what went wrong there? Why why did that lapse happen? Why did that did I not follow through on that this once? And how can I change that so that it doesn't happen again? What could I do differently to do this better? Part of that perfectionism too also can extend to the this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And instead of like we again, like we discussed in the failure episode, instead of just throwing the whole thing out and and calling it quits, just taking some time to retool and figure out how you could remove some of those barriers and make it a little bit easier so you don't have to rely solely on willpower and trying to dig up motivation. We can actually continue on, not quit our journey, but just do a modified version of it to to make it a little more sustainable and a little more um well, a little more likely to to continue. Yeah, absolutely. I would so much rather complete something imperfectly than to quit a million things perfectly. You know, but that's <laughs> yeah. definitely one of those things that that can become a habit. You know. Yeah. I think another reason that we sometimes give up, and this one gets a little bit psychological, and that is we, especially when we're getting kind of close to a goal or to success or to a milestone, sometimes we can paradoxically feel the urge to quit. And I think sometimes it's because succeeding might actually move us out of our comfort zone. Mm. If we have for a long time identified ourselves as having this problem or not being able to solve this or change this, and we get close to actually changing it, sometimes it can be a little scary. Like, I'm, well, I'm not sure who I'll be if I am a person who no longer has that unsolved problem or what I might want to tackle next or choose to tackle next once I've crossed this off my list. Sometimes that can be really kind of scary. A bunch of thoughts just popped into my head about past experiences with people that I've tried to help. You know, when you have like the perfect solution for a friend who's going through some sort of problem or some obstacle or something and you're like, I've got it. I've totally got this (laughs) solved. And you tell them they're like, nah, (laughs) come on like what do you this is perfect this is totally going to solve your problem and a lot of the time or maybe not a lot of the time but some of the time it's exactly what you're talking about that by removing that barrier they're going to lose too much of their identity or they'll they'll be lost somewhat without being able to identify themselves or to cling to that feeling right or that more might be expected of them Mm. or that they might start to expect more of themselves and that that becomes a challenging thought. Uh, Again, I feel like we've seen this so many times with some of the folks that we work with in the Way Less program where they are succeeding by every possible measure. They're doing great. And all of a sudden there's this kind of panic reaction like, oh no, I'm actually getting close to my my goal. Mm. And and I think there's a lot of different things that, that wrap into it. One is, you know, I've I've succeeded at this in the past and then always regained the weight. And so there's this fear that this is going to be another success that is then followed by failure mm. because they haven't ever done it any other way. Or we talked in a previous episode about the hidden cost of an unmet goal. Mm. And one of the costs that we talked about is that we defer certain goals or objectives because we have to solve this problem first. 
And sometimes I wonder if we get close to actually solving that problem, we start to feel fear like, oh, no, now there'll be nothing standing between me and having to, you know, conquer that next peak. Well, and it's it's sad but true that a lot of people are very, their normal is so defined, like normal in quotation marks, is so defined by what they're used to that even though we all think that we want to move towards a happier version of ourselves or a less stressed out version of ourselves, even that version that's supposed to be better because you're happier and less stressed doesn't feel right because it's not normal. Mm. It's not fitting mm-hmm. into what they're normally used to feeling. So when they're positioned or, or posed with the, the idea that they could let go of that, the fear of, well, how do I feel if I mm-hmm. don't feel stress or if I don't feel this worry, what do I feel? Where it, it's it seems so counterproductive because we all think we want to be happier and we all want to live stress-free lives. And we do, but it can be very disorienting. Yeah, I can also see parallels in entrepreneurs and people who are building businesses and they think they want to achieve a certain level of business success, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And when they get there, they realize that they've just opened up a whole new can of whoop ass on themselves. Yeah. You know, they, there's a saying, new level, new devil. And their idea that once they hit a certain revenue milestone or a certain number of downloads or their podcast gets a certain, you know, ranking or something, that all their problems will be solved. And of course, all they have done is unlocked an exciting new level of new problems. Yes. So. <laughs> Which some of us thrive on. <laughs> right. Or at least that's what I like to tell myself. <laughs> right. But I think that that's sometimes what's going on when we find ourselves backtracking just as we start to get close to succeeding. That mm-hmm. Some of those thoughts may be, and it's worth noticing those, because if you can recognize them and think about them rationally and decide what you want to choose... Uh, you may be able to make different choices than if all of that's happening below the surface without your conscious participation. Hiring that VA is <laughs> not the end of the world, but it can <laughs> right. really help you move to that next level. But it's, yeah, it's definitely something that I've wrestled with. You you hit a nerve there, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of hitting a nerve, I just I thought it might be kind of helpful, and and maybe you'll get a kick out of this. But I have a. I have a bit of a story that I thought sort of ties all of this together. And I uh, I decided back in October, there's a thing called Sober October or what is it? October Fest. There's a whole bunch of different names for it where basically you just stop drinking alcohol for the month of October. I'm not sure why October, other than it fits really nicely. It rhymes. Not, <laughs> not sure. Usually you'd think it would be January. But anyway, so I decided to, to do this in October and like on October 1st, I was fired up and ready to go. I even went to the store and I bought some de-alcoholized beers of different varieties. I had a couple of Pilsners and some IPAs and stuff. So it's all set up. I wasn't going to just you drink lukewarm tap water for an entire month. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah, exactly. I wasn't going to punish myself. I was ready to have some, some delicious alternate beverages and stuff. And I say for probably the first 10 days, it was feeling really good. I was feeling really empowered. I was posting on Instagram and everything was really exciting and fun. And then after about 10 days, it kind of got a little routine and stopped posting as much, stopped thinking about it as much. Didn't have any problem with it. It wasn't, it wasn't causing any anxiety or anything like that, but it was getting a little, it was just what I was doing. Then after a few days of that, it actually did start to get a little bit annoying. And I started to to think, well, 
like I didn't, I don't have a drinking problem. Like why, why was I doing this in the first place? This is sort of a silly thing. And I saw other people who are doing it online and like, well, they need it more than I do and started making those sort of judgment calls and, and mm. stuff. And, and then it, uh, got to the point where I started doing, and this is our, our back to our number one reason people quit. And I started doing things like, well, evaluating my sleep. It's like, well, not drinking alcohol is supposed to really help with your sleep. I haven't really seen anything with that. And you're supposed to lose weight because it's all these calories that I'm skipping. My scale hadn't moved at all. Okay. After 10 days? No, this is probably more like 20 or so. Like, yeah, we're talking three weeks in here, but still, yeah. Yeah. Again, expectations. (laughs) And I know better, but started to, those started to be the excuses anyway, as I was Mm. looking at the scale, looking at my sleep, looking at my muscle mass or whatever, and going, wow, this really hasn't done a heck of a lot. And then we decided we were going to go out to see a show. This is pre- um, lockdown COVID quarantine time. So we went out to, uh, we were going out on the, on the town for a dinner and a show. And I thought, well, I'm an adult. I can have a drink. But what it really came down to when I was, when I got through all of the seven stages of <laughs> grief or no, seven stages of denial or whatever it is, what it really came down to for me is exactly how we started this podcast. I wanted to make sure that I was reinforcing my identity Mm. of myself as being someone who sticks to their word, someone who doesn't quit something that they've committed to. Mm -hmm. And I committed to myself. I committed to friends. I put it on social media. But really, it was all about being able to identify myself to myself, claim that identity as somebody who doesn't quit on their plans. And there's this old... um, saying or this old uh, story. I think it's a Cherokee story. I don't want to do any cultural appropriation, so I won't destroy the the story, but I'm sure we're all familiar with the, the which wolf will you feed story. The wise old man's telling the young man that um, to whichever wolf you want to win within yourself, the metaphorical wolf within yourself, you can choose which one you want to feed and make stronger. The wolf that I wanted to feed inside myself was the one who doesn't quit on the things that they've decided to do. And I think that's sort of our big overarching lesson for this this podcast episode is, is exactly that. Yeah, I think that would be my takeaway from today's discussion. Quitting is not always the wrong choice. Yeah. Sometimes it's the right thing to do. But if you find yourself contemplating quitting on any endeavor, any project, any goal, we would invite you to just Think a little bit first about why you're quitting and whether it's a really good reason to quit or whether it might be one of these reasons that we've explored that might not be a great reason to quit. And and just to keep in mind that quitting and not quitting can each become sort of habitual reflexive behaviors and that you want to decide which one of those habits you want to develop. And there can always be an exception. (laughs) You can decide that you are going to get into the habit of not quitting. um, And then there still might come a time when you decide that quitting is the right thing to do. But it's it's the habitual choices that add up to our daily experience and our life. So those are the ones we really want to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, I hope that everyone has uh, enjoyed this discussion of quitting. (laughs) and uh, and gotten some some new things to think about and we hope that if you are enjoying this podcast that you'll subscribe to it you can just take out your phone or whatever you're listening to on right now and click the little plus button or the heart button to subscribe to us 
And thanks for all of the reviews and the recommendations and telling your friends about it. We so appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Well, I'm glad we didn't quit. (laughs) Yes. Glad we didn't quit. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Brock Armstrong and Monica Reinhardt.